I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. You know, whatever I noticed in my environment, in my body, in my thoughts, in my life at the moment that was all right. It helped me. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 254. Today, we're talking about how to cope with 2020 with myself and my friend, Anna Seawalt. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Now with over a million downloads, here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back, my friend. I hope that you are doing well wherever you are in the world. This is a crazy time, as we're going to talk about in this episode. And I uh, I just hope that you're hanging in there. You know, we're going into the holidays, and I hope that this, this conversation offers some things to you that will help you through this really difficult time. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking with Anna Seawald. She is a dear friend. She's a returning guest. Anna is the founder of Authentic Parenting and the host of that podcast. She's a speaker, an author, podcaster, and a parent educator. And with a background in psychology and education, when working with kids for nearly 20 years, today she helps parents. And I'm so excited for you to dive into this conversation with myself and Anna. 2020 has been an incredibly difficult year, right? With the global pandemic, multiple crises, the election, remote learning, that fiasco, and so much more. We have all had to deal with multiple disappointments and anxieties. And today I'm going to talk with Anna about 10 ways to cope with this difficult time. 
And we're going to even end this episode. I'll be guiding you through an ideal future meditation to help bring you hope and positivity into your vision and that. So hang on to the end and make sure that you do that guided visualization because it's really helpful to bring some hope into this time. And some important takeaways I want you to listen for how it is a time to slow down and prioritize our mental and emotional health. And this important question to ask ourselves, what is all right right now? And how to stay present in the moment and consciously envision that positive future. So we're going to dive into all of that. And so I hope this episode gives you tools and to just get through this time and cope with this crazy time a little bit better. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Certification Training Program is enrolling this December 2020. It is for people who want to teach mindful parenting in your local communities. We will be looking for mindful parenting coaches from the group of teacher trainees. And the application deadline is December 18th. If you are interested in teaching mindful parenting, learning more about it and diving into this. Maybe you have some background in teaching kids or, or teaching parents, or you're just super passionate about this. Go ahead and learn more at mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. And you'll see a button there to just schedule a call and we'll determine if it's a right fit for you. We'll send you a link to fill out the application. We accept about 50% of the applicants. So go ahead and check that out, mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. And it's a way to turn your passion into something that gives back to your community and to you, which is so cool. So that's mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. And now let's dive into this conversation with Anna Seewald. Anna, thanks so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure seeing you and hearing your calming, soothing voice. <laughs> I always think it's so funny when people think my voice is calming because my, my, still my perception of myself is not that calming, but it's cool that it is now. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about coping with 2020 and, oh man, WTF 2020. I know that, um, I, I know that I go through like ups and downs. I've had things in my life. I've had things where, you know, some of my most important things I haven't been able to do. I've had a death to people, some people who are dear to me, uh, a person, um, and when it gets close to my period and, you know, it just, sometimes it feels like I go through a couple of weeks where I'm like, wow, I've cried every day this week. And then I'm, and then a couple of weeks go by, but it seems like kind of like it's, it's, there's a lot more release of emotions for me in 2020 and stuff is happening. And I know stuff is, and incredible difficulties and things are happening for you too in your life. Right. Yes, for sure. As, as I am human too. And my listeners ask me questions. How are you coping with the pandemic? Did you pick up any hobbies? Uh, like they, <laughs> they think I'm some kind of like superhuman. I know all the answers and I'm just a struggling parent. 
uh, who uses the advice that she gives to others now more than ever. I, I think I've been using my toolbox. It's worn out completely. I need to replace it. Um, this has been a challenging year for many people because besides COVID, we have other things, aging oh parents, sick, dying parents, relatives. Um, you know, I went through, uh, I told you beforehand, this unknown diagnosis uh, that's pretty scary and it's, you know, looming over you. And on top of the uncertainty of the COVID, the pandemic, you know, dealing with virtual learning, helping my preteen and uh, all of the other things and helping other parents, quite frankly. It's like so many things are happening. And this is truly a time to slow down and prioritize mental health, emotional health for ourselves, you know, focus on the essential things truly and practice mindful simple living so that we can be resourced for ourselves for our families and the others that we serve in a global way uh, oh yeah like uh, um, rick hansen was on the mindful mama podcast a few episodes back and he talked about how you know greater challenges require greater resources and it's just so simple but it's like yeah. Yes. And everybody's going through greater challenges this year. I mean, we all have our personal things that are happening, like, you know, but also we're going through, I mean, gosh, I mean, 2020, like, you know, uh, the pandemic, global health crisis, the the racial justice crisis, the climate crisis is still happening. And the election, oy vey, my gosh, the election and the stress and anxiety that has produced. And then back swinging back around to the pandemic again and the difficulty, everybody being in the red, like this whole country is like in the red zone. Uh, your state is, my state is, I know we live pretty close together. And and then we have our own personal stuff going on and the virtual learning. Ay, ay, ay. I mean... I know that your daughter's having some big difficulties with that. And my daughter's been having, my, my daughter's 10 has been having some big difficulties with that. It sucks. I just have to say this, like virtual learning sucks. The, I mean, the whole reason I have my kids, I'm like a big believer in Montessori education and all that was because I'd never wanted my kids to like lose that spark of learning of joy. <laughs> Gosh, nothing could squash the spark of learning like virtual learning has. Like, I, I, I think you've seen that, right? I see that every morning. My daughter is attending school from our dining room. And some days it's, I look at her, it's such a miserable scene. I feel sorry for the teacher, for the kids, for everyone. Everybody's trying their best. The teachers are true heroes. You know, I have to give a shout out to the 7.40 a.m. teacher who is trying to be so cheerful but so obnoxious because my daughter doesn't use headphones. <laughs> and this poor teacher is trying to get everyone excited. And here is this slouchy, half-awake, slumpy, PJ snack. I don't know. My daughter started even drinking coffee in the morning with milk to stay awake and focus. But she's staring at the screen of squares of 
half shown faces because you don't see the full face it's the eyes it's the nose it's the forehead or the camera is tilted towards the ceiling um you see naked parents walking people changing oh arguing and the teacher is in a mask some of the kids are in the mask children get distracted turn their cameras on and off the teacher cannot control the classroom so-called and it's just a disaster and me and my husband have been talking about how can this work like what kind of ideas we have to maybe suggest to the school so that it will be easier but i think it's you know for some kids it does work i have a neighbor who has a high school kid who didn't like school and he's thriving doing online you know learning at home because he's an introvert he didn't like the social life in school and so for some kids, a small segment of kids, I think it's okay. But for the majority of the kids and parents, it's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we are going to be offering 10 resources for 10 resources, 10 ways to 10, 10 tips for coping. I hate the word tips actually, but like 10, 10 ways to cope. And, and this is for you. If you've got a kid who is like this sucks and is failing out of school or whether you have a kid who is doing great and is thriving um and it's it's really for all of us and just i think that uh you know these are these are just these i mean for anna and i i feel like they're you know we have to remind ourselves we're only human we have to remind ourselves about and and repracticing. I was in a pretty deep slump like a few weeks ago or the last, uh, and um, felt like I was like had I definitely had a cry almost every day. I had a, a a dear person in my life die. I had like you know event things I was looking forward to canceled and just like all you know we we're all dealing with all these disappointments, right? And it's like oh I had to remind myself. Uh, one of these things that we're going to talk about, I'd be like, oh yeah, I have to do this thing. I have to make myself do this thing so that I am not like just a miserable, you know, pathetic, weeping person around the house and I can actually be a functioning person, you know? Um, it's like, we need to remind ourselves of these two, don't you think? I mean, I, I have, at least I can say that for me, myself, Anna. We are sponsored by Midi Help. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause, and the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. MIDI care is covered by insurance, and with MIDI Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. 
They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. I, um, I, before we get to the tips, you know, I, I want to give uh, something that works for me really well during especially these challenging times. You know, when I was in the doctor's office in a mask, you know, I couldn't breathe well. I was anxious and panicky when they delivered the news. And I had to wait for the doctor to come in in a dark room, very cold. Their air, air conditioning heating unit was broken. And it's a cold day. I'm shivering with this bad news alone. I want to cry. Ugh. I want to yell. I want to run out of the room. I felt my anxiety bubbling up. And I said, well, this is the time to practice what I know about feeling your emotions in the moment. And I'm telling you, I sat there, I took breaths to calm my nervous system down, to bring my anxiety level low. Uh, I gave myself a hug and I patted my body to feel my body and let the emotion just dissolve and wash through me. And it, it helped. I mean, it didn't go away, my, you know, but I wasn't panicking because my first instant reaction was to rip the mask off and just run out of the office like in a screechy screamy voice and but obviously that was not going to be helpful then I you know controlled myself I went outside got a drink of water I talked to the front desk people and I sat there in the room and this is what came to me in that moment you know, I said, first of all, I don't have the final diagnosis yet. I'm not going to worry and panic about something that hasn't happened yet. I was telling my mind that. And then I sat there and I said to myself, what is all right, right now? Mm. You know, what can mm. I focus that I know for sure is working and is all right? And so that took my mind off of this panicky mode. And I started saying that my hands, you know, whatever I noticed in my environment, in my body, in my thoughts, in my life at the moment, that was all right. It helped me to come out of that mode. And I've been doing this practice for the past month. Every time I'm washing the dishes, I catch myself panicking, worrying about any kind of issue that we have in our life right now. I pause and I say to myself, what is all right right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, that beautiful smell of the candle, the little flickering light, the beautiful flowers on my table, you know, the buzzing sound of, of the cooking of the meal, or just this moment that I have a home and a shelter and a warm place. Mm -hmm. So it helps me to be in the moment, to appreciate what I have, to be grateful, and even pay attention to the smallest things, and my anxiety goes down, you yeah. know, big time, big time. 
Yeah. It's that power of like refocusing your attention, you know, and just, and you know that power. So let's take, maybe we can take our 10 things out of order because this is, was, was number eight. Um, really <laughs> focusing on, really focusing on the good things and gratitude. Oh. And, and, and that's what I was thinking of like the, the, a few weeks ago when I was like really down, I could just feel myself kind of like, you know, depressed and, uh, you know, not clinically, but depressed, like for a couple of weeks. And, and I said, okay, I have, what do I need to do? Oh, look, there's my journal by my bedside. I, this is something I've done on and off all my life is write down my gratitudes. And it had been off for a while because you forget about it when things are good. And so I'm writing it down. What am I grateful for? What can I appreciate right now? Right? Like as the brain is, okay, yes, this, this dear person in my life died. Yes. Like all these things are terrible. Yes. Like there are, we are deeply living with all these disappointments and, oh yes. Um, we're healthy. Yes. I'm, I appreciate my house. Yes. I, I, there were all these things to be grateful, right? I ended up writing a list of like 30 different things I could, I just kept writing and writing. And it was like, oh, it was just like this balm for my soul. And just was like, yes, yes, there is a lot I can appreciate. And it really, what you're talking about on a, is right. Like it's really about the power of redirecting our attention. We'd happen to be human beings who are wired to look for the negative and and that's going to really really make us suffer in this time so we have to really really actively focus and practice to focus on the good things for sure i i completely agree and there are more good things in our life uh, than we notice than we appreciate but i think it's just tilting our focus right? Whatever you focus, it grows, whatever you, your energy goes towards that. And I think that has been a consistent practice of mine during this pandemic, uh, appreciating the small things, seeing the goodness, what's all right, right now, what's working right now. And just, you know, reorienting myself, refocusing my, my perspective and just refreshing my perspective. It's like, a, uh, you know, when you, log onto your computer and the computer screen is frozen you click refresh on your browser many times i feel like i've been clicking that refresh button all the time in my <laughs> mind yes to orient myself towards the good seeing the good the positive what's working what's all right because because the other side the negative side is just engulfs you right away because there mm -hmm. you have it covid-19 pandemic stress fear anxiety you know yeah and those are instantaneous it takes more effort it takes mm -hmm. it because it's just the way we're wired right we're wired for survival so it takes more effort and but i love that question that you said anna what is all right right now so dear listener what is all right right now? Like I challenge you to name three things that are all right right now. Like how is your pinky toe? There was this one time my pinky toe was broken. Actually, I broke my pinky toe twice, just stubbing my foot, like, you know, stubbing your toe. And then suddenly the pinky toe is like jotting out an angle. It's terrible looking. But Sometimes, and this is what my teacher, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, has always, has always offered, and I think it's such beautiful wisdom, is like, 
can we appreciate your lack of earache right now, right? So when we have something like our, our broken pinky toe or an earache, like that's all we can think about and it's all we focus on. So maybe what we can say, take something that's neutral right now, that's okay. Like uh, my, my, my fingers are not broken, right? And appreciate, wow, this is great that I have use of my fingers. I mean, in fact, it's true that many people don't have use of their hands or may not have both legs or both feet. So maybe we can even appreciate, focus on appreciating like, oh goodness, I have two arms that I can hug my children with. I have two feet that I can walk and do things with. I can see, I can open my eyes and see a myriad of colors, aren't I? So like, can we be, can we start to appreciate those things? Like these really, really basic things that it's true that not all of us can appreciate. Maybe our eyes, we don't, can't see all of those things, but maybe we can hear the beautiful sounds of the birds if, um, although now it's winter. <laughs> If you're in Australia, listen to the birds for us in the, in the north, north of the uh, of the globe. Um, but yeah, so we need to. This is a big, big, big thing. I think is really to really focus on the good things and to really actively do it. It's a mindfulness practice because it brings you into the here and now. It focuses your attention, which is hard, right? It's mindfulness. Uh, mm -hmm. What's working right now? What is all right right now? As I'm speaking with you, you know, your comforting voice, your beautiful smile, the warmth from my teacup, that I received good news about my health. Those are things that are all right, that is circling in my mind as I'm asking this question right now. You know, Thanksgiving is approaching. You know, there is a lot of good things in, in our lives. Small things, big things. I think uh, when you start to look for the smallest things, that's when shift happens. Because on a global level, if you ask me, how are you doing? <laughs> the way my friend the other day asked me, how are you doing? And I said, not good. Right. And, and that was the answer. But that's not true. That's not true. You know, if I really seriously look into my life, there are a lot of good things uh, that I'm happy, grateful, appreciative, neutral and positive things. You know, yeah, I think we have to make an effort to just that question helps me a lot. What is all right right now, like in this very moment and just sink into that and feel those good things in, in your body, I think, through sensations, instead of just noting them by saying, oh, this, 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 just cognitively. I think it has to be on a sensory level, you know, to, to make a difference in your well-being. Yeah, yeah. And it can be something, if, if like, dear listener, if you're like feeling like everything, nothing's all right, it can be like, may, maybe it's, may I be able to focus on what's okay? May I be able to think, because this is another one item on our, on my list is, uh, is to don't, don't shit on yourself. <laughs> so don't, this is, this is the proverbial, um, second arrow and I can tell the story of that, but basically, you know, maybe we should be, you know, we start to think like, maybe we should be adjusted to the new normal. Maybe, maybe you don't have it as bad as a lot of people have it. Like there are people suffering much worse than I am all around the world. But to tell myself that I shouldn't feel badly because I, because other people have it worse, it doesn't help. It just invalidates what I'm feeling, right? Like, so whatever you're 
feeling, there's no way you should or shouldn't feel with this. Those feelings arise. They're not, they're not choices that you're making at all. Like these are, these are feelings that arise. So we have to cut ourselves some slack. The idea of the second arrow is the, the Buddha told the story that, you know, we, we have, we're shot with this first arrow, right? Where we're suffering in some way, we're feeling bad. And so it's like, we have this, this arrow wound. And then we, we're feeling bad. And then we start to say, oh, I shouldn't feel bad. So it's like we've shoot an, we've shot another arrow into our already wound, our, our wound that we already have, which is ridiculous. And this is something for me, I'm happy that I don't do as much. Like when I was in that funk, I was like, yeah, I'm in this funk. Like we can offer ourselves this acceptance. I mean, if you, you know, yes, other people have things worse and other people can have things better. That doesn't matter. Whatever feelings you're having, uh, it's, it's okay. You know, we're, you're allowed to have those feelings. Don't, don't should on yourself. Like I should not be feeling this way. So, so stop shooting on yourself. Agreed. I was wallowing in, in a couple of weeks ago, I hit like the lowest point of the pandemic. I, I hope the lowest point thus far and for two days, I cried, I locked myself in, got rid of my social media. And to this day, I haven't gotten back to Instagram and other things. And I'm reconsidering my social media choices. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to understand why am I even on social media? It's not even necessary for me. And I may start a 2021 with no social media, you know, to just live my life off the grid. Uh, that's another topic. But uh, two days. It was Friday. I remember. You know, I called a friend. I cried. Another friend called. How are you? Not good. And and I started crying and yelling. And uh, and then I locked myself in. I cried. I journaled. Listened to music. Went for a walk. And the next day, you know, I had to do something to change my my situation. You know, I'm not gonna wallow and feel pity and sorry for myself. Wait for someone to come and rescue me. You know, I am, I allowed myself to feel what I was feeling, all the yucky feelings, stayed with those feelings, felt them, but th there is also a limit, you know, you have to pull yourself out of it and, and do something that helps you. I call this an emotional emergency plan. You know, if ahead of time, you know, what's going to work for you, right? Uh, do those things when you are in that moment. You know, I have a playlist. Uh, you know, I have a person who I talk to. I go for this path for a walk and, and look at the trees and, and be in nature and things like that. So certain things help me when I hit the emotional emergencies. And these moments are very predictable usually, right? Because I know when I am upset, frustrated, sad, or I'm grieving, I know my patterns. I know my language of dealing with those things. So by thinking ahead of time, what I'm going to do when I hit a low point in my life, I think it's, it helps me in those moments, you know, gives me a resourceful way of coping with it instead of being the victim of my own feelings. You know, I can wallow a little bit, feel sorry and cry, but enough is enough. You know, I get up and proactively change how I feel and make myself feel better. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Absolutely. I, I agree. And uh, let me, uh, I, I actually have a, actually have a, a playlist because I know how much songs get stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually have a whole playlist of, of empowered and confident music on Spotify. I'll put the link in the show notes at mindfulmamamentor.com um, of my empowered and Spotify empowered and confident playlist. It's something like it's like all 12 hours of music now. It's pretty amazing. It's like this enormous playlist, but, but yeah, we have to, we have to be proactive, right? Like this is going to, we are going to be in a time where we are, it's incredibly difficult, right? Like it's a time where there's more challenge. We need more resources. So what are those things for you? Like you went and took a, a walk, you went and called a friend, like some of the things that we need to do that we really, really need to focus on, including focusing on good things include for me, they are sleep and exercise. And so I've given the sleep thing has been great for me during the pandemic because man, it's lovely to not have to wake up in the morning and like drive my kids to school, except I do now, but it, it does start a little later. These, they're three hybrid mornings, but sleep is a, a huge one. And exercise is a huge one too, because those endorphins, just taking care of your body and it releases, you know, anxiety is an energy, right? It's like a, it's an energy in the body and it releases that energy. It's such a, a great thing for me. And so for me, uh, during most of the pandemic, 
I would go running and that that was just the simplest way for me to get outside and and to exercise and be in nature and then I got plantar fasciitis and that was kind of the beginning of like my, of another low point for me because I couldn't move which is so frustrating for me but I I did mind I knew what I needed right so I went and I I did a power yoga hour of power yoga every day for like a week um, and I've, I've been, you know, I, and, and then continuing that doing, getting that exercise. So then I can sleep. Right. So those, those physical needs of, of sleep and, and exercise is such a powerful mood booster, anxiety release, um, help you sleep. All of those things. In fact, that we talk about with meditation, which meditation has been a huge piece for me too. And that's a, a piece on, my, on this list they all come from exercise too, right? Like lower, increase, lowering depression, lowering anxiety, increase better sleep, better mood, all, better well-being, all of those things. How, how do you approach sleep and exercise during this time? I, I prioritize them. Um, I talk about something, I created this framework called the wellness wheel and there is five domains of wellness. The first domain that I talk about is the vitality domain, that's what I call it. And in it, I talk about sleep, hydration, nutrition, exercise. Uh, and you hit it right on, right? Sleep is the foundation of health. I think if we don't get enough sleep, quality sleep, our attention, our cognition, thinking, reasoning, memory, uh, emotion regulation is going to suffer. We're going to make poor choices. When you have lack of sleep, uh, you tend to choose poor habits. When we experience sleep deprivation, we tend to gravitate towards carby, junky foods, sweets, because your body naturally thinks that you are experiencing physiological stress. So you tend to eat bad food. So when you eat bad food, you don't feel well when you don't feel well, you don't sleep well, when you don't sleep well, it's a stress. And it's this vicious cycle. I think when you correct yeah. the sleep cycle, so many things fall into place for ourselves and for our children. So everything in nature rests, even fruit flies. Did you know that fruit flies sleep too? <laughs> because when you sleep, your brain goes through this like cleansing, healing function you know, it nourishes you, it gets rid of all the unnecessary data information that you put in your brain throughout the day through social media, through news, through other ways of stimulation. It just flushes out those unnecessary toxins and it's so good for you. Uh, but many people suffer with sleep because they have high cortisol level, high stress. So what can you do with that? You can exercise to, you know, to get your endorphins going, feel good hormones, go outside. If you don't want to exercise, you know, it can be small, as small as brisk walking for 20, 30 minutes a day, stretching. When I make my coffee in the morning, uh, and here's the trick to get uh, some exercise into place. You have to pair it with some kind of already established little activity that you do during the day. For me, it's the morning coffee time. When I make the coffee, when I wait for the coffee to brew, I do squats and I do stretching. Um, and, and that's the time I have until my coffee brews. 
I put in a little bit of exercise that makes me feel good. Um, and, and I already did something little, you know, and that the rest is extra. And it gives you a sense of accomplishment, you know, that you did something. Because if I say I'm going to exercise today, that's not going to happen. It's this vague time frame. When am I going to plug that in? I have other important things and it's never a priority. But if you break it down to a small doable thing, 10 squats uh, with, you know, when I do this, when I wake up, when I brush my teeth, after that, I'm going to do five push-ups or whatever it is for the person. I think that gets you going. It gets the roll bowling, you know, and, and you... Yeah. find yourself feeling better a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and dear listener, if you don't know, I, I do have a, uh, I have a daily practice program that goes a 28 day immersion into yoga, creating your own home yoga practice, especially made for busy parents. And so that's something that we do is like short bits of yoga in our house. I do like, like, I'll just do like five sun salutations and just kind of Put, put it there. And then one of the things that in my family we do is the seven minute workout, which is like on your Alexa. It's on, you can buy an app for it, whatever. It's like the New York Times, like, and it's great. It's like the whole family does this sometimes together, which is hilarious, but, but it really should, I think, I think sleep and sleep and exercise, uh, though, those are really important. All right. So let's see, Anna, we've talked about sleep, exercise, don't shit on yourself. Oh yeah. One, we, one thing we need to really look at is, um, is that piece about like interrupting those catastrophic thoughts. And this is really, this is mindfulness, right? This is what we, this is one of the practices we do when we do a meditation practice is we notice the thoughts that are in our head, right? Our, our brain is thinking what, like 80,000 thoughts a day and, and some of them, they, they feel really, really true, right? Like we feel like we have to believe all of them. But the truth is our brain is just a thinking machine. It just turns out thoughts like a thinking factory. And that's totally fine. That's just what the brain does. The brain thinks like the ears hear. So that's fine. But And we have this negativity bias, right? Just natural negativity bias is that helped us survive. So we tend to have these like negative catastrophic thoughts, right? Especially if we're kind of feeling bad, we tend to tend to like kind of focus on some things. So the thing about the catastrophic thinking is that those thoughts may arise, um, but we can interrupt them right? We can interrupt them. And a really powerful way to do this, so simple, so powerful, is just to use the phrase, I'm having the thought that dot, 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 right? So I'm having the thought that, I mean, Anna, like with your health crisis, like you might've had, you know, it could have been like, oh my God, I'm going to die. You know, like, right. Those thoughts probably arose for you. But if you put the, the thing of like, I'm having the thought that I'm going to die, right? And then you can say, okay. Then you can say, it's a thought. Is that helpful? No, it's not that helpful, right? And so we can start, it just interrupts that downward spiral. If we can start to just interrupt it and say, okay, this is just a thought. This isn't actually that helpful. I agree. And that's what I was doing. Actually, this practice called the diffusion, right? Um, Yeah. I um, So... I'm having a thought, that, that, that. I'm the thinker of my thoughts, right? I don't have to necessarily believe them, but I can question the validity of this thought. Okay, 
thought, hello thought, you know, you appeared in my head. Are, is this thought a hundred percent true? Like Byron Katie's work. Mm -hmm. um, is this hundred percent true? No. Do I believe it to be true for sure? No, it's just a thought. So I'm having a thought that, 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 uh, let that sink in for 10 seconds and be with that thought by saying I'm having a thought. Then after 10 seconds, say I'm noticing you're putting another, mm -hmm. you know, distancer in front of the, I am having a thought. I am noticing that I'm having a thought that, that, that. So that already dis distances you from the thought, uh, and you're no longer as attached as enmeshed with that thought and not as scared of the thought because when you're like, I'm a terrible parent, I'm a failure, or I'm going to die, you believe in that. You become that thought. But when you distance yourself by just mindfully saying those statements and be with that for 10, 15 seconds, it truly makes a difference. The thought may not disappear, and that's not the point. Uh, like you said, the point is to disrupt that downward spiral so that you don't like, you know, go right away there. You know, you are the thinker of your thoughts and you can have some control over that. I think that has been truly a challenging practice for me, but a very helpful one. Yeah. Yeah. Because then as we get low, we can say, okay. Here I am, I'm having these thoughts. And then of course we can circle back to that first thing, right? Like that question, what, what is all right right now? We can offer, offer our thinking that. Mm -hmm. um, we, I wanna offer that, you know, as we, these catastrophic thoughts arise, we wanna practice to be here, right? Like we wanna just take this one day at a time. Like our brains tend to like shoot ahead if our child is, really struggling with long distance learning and they're maybe they're failing a class oh my gosh they're gonna fail high school they're never gonna go to college they're gonna be a delinquent right like Did we have these to my husband this morning because <laughs> that's exactly his thought pattern <laughs> yeah, it's that fear thinking of course it is you know it's really and so we have to stay in the one day at a time okay this is here um, what's here right now? How can we be in this day? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy to, to do that. It's certainly, it's really much harder to deal with it when it's like not even yourself. It's a, a spouse having that catastrophic thinking and, and going way into the uh, a catastrophic future. I am pretty good with this one day at a time. I think I learned my lessons young, very young when the earthquake happened. And very briefly, when I was 13, the age my daughter is now, um, you know, I survived a severe earthquake in 1988 in Armenia, lost my mom, lost my friends, lost everything, right? It was zero. Everything was gone. And I learned to be with my own feelings. There was nothing. And I learned to live day by day, to appreciate what I had for the day. And I think it helps me now because I draw a lot of parallels between this pandemic experience and my earthquake experience. You know, it's a destruction. The new life is here, the new normal, the old is gone. The loss of the life that we knew is gone. We lost many things. Uh, you know, we lost a job. Let's say somebody, 
everybody's dealing with some kind of loss. And there is this notion of ambiguous loss too, when something is not completely gone, but it's no longer there, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're facing a lot of that in our reality right now. And when I draw parallel between my experience and the earthquake, I'm like, wow, it's so similar. It's on a global level, you know, everybody's in it. It's like this element of common humanity, right? We're all suffering and we're all going through this experience at the same time. It's not good for anyone. So that is helpful. The before and after uh, and being in the present moment and living day by day, I think is all right. And I know for sure that I'm here like, you know, 30 five, whatever, 30 years later, I'm still alive and thriving. And my life didn't end then, you know. Um, and you had a good point in, in your 10 points that we're going to discuss this, this hopefulness for the future, right? Mm -hmm. That was helping. I'm jumping through the points. But when I was experiencing, you know, going through the big emotions of this, you know, post earthquake life, I think the only thing that kept me going being present day to day was the hope of a bright future that one day this will be over. This is not going to be forever. And this impermanence, I understood as a child that I'm going to have a different life. I was dreaming, envisioning my self, my bright future. And I was training those muscles and I think that's a very helpful exercise. It's not a destruction or an escapism. I, you know, I want to emphasize, and, and, and if anybody has read Viktor Frankl's Men's Search for Meaning, he talks about this too, finding meaning in suffering. And, and he talks about that, you know, that was keeping him alive, this hope of the future that one day he will re reunite with his wife and it keeps you going when you're suffering. I think when you don't have that and it's in your imagination. And what I've learned during this pandemic also is that I have to be my own kind and best friend because everybody else is going through a struggle, through suffering. I have to be kind and compassionate and be my own friend also in this aspect that you know I can create this hope I am responsible for that. You know, this is my, no one is going to give me a magic wand or rescue me or, you know, change my life or I don't want to be a victim. You know, I have the power of my mind to think of a brighter future, to hope, to dream. I don't want to give up on that. And I know that that's going to be the case, this impermanence of things, you know, this is going to disappear. And, and one day we will be out of this, just like you know, when the earthquake, post-earthquake experience was over, life changed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so like I, like I promised in the, uh, in the intro, I'll be walking us through, uh, envisioning a, a positive future. And, and I think that is really important. We're going to, we're going to go through that. I just want to, I, I do want to, and that hope is really, really important. And I want to just mention, a couple of things that we kind of we talked about kind of a little bit right that um the meditation is if you ever there ever was a time to meditate do it now it helps in so many ways helps us to cope helps us to feel the feelings that anna has talked about um 
we need to practice to give our, you know, we need to give ourselves space to process and feel those feelings, but we also need to allow ourselves some grace, like denial and distraction are okay tools to use sometimes, right? Like, I feel like I retreat into like the 1800s in my like reading and my, um, my Netflix watching, right? Um, so those, those are good things right time, sometimes. And also that, in that, in that piece that Anna mentioned about social, using social media less, the news maybe a little less, like those really important things are going to come to you. Like it's, it's okay. Don't feel guilty. Those really important news pieces, like you'll, you'll hear them. It's okay to take a step back from the news, take a step back from social media, or at least maybe change your social media habits to focus on some things that make you like laugh a little bit. I've been really enjoying the, um, Actually, uh, speaking of resources that make you laugh, I've been really enjoying the your podcast listener, dear listener. I know that because you're listening to this. So you may enjoy the Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet podcast. It's a podcast where they re- read like one-star reviews of things. It's really hilarious. Um, <laughs> I so heard of it, yes. I'm just like kind of galloping through our bullet points, but before we get to our our kind of our our... I, you know, our ideal sort of future envisioning. Uh, let me give you some space to respond to that, Anna. I, I agree. I think social media is great to be connected during this challenging time and all, but I, I think every person has to know when they hit the limit. I definitely hit the limit. I deleted everything and it was becoming way too much. Even if it's a too much of a good thing, you know, I couldn't see this fake positive uh, and I'm following, you know, parenting gurus and coaches and divorce and whatever is relevant to me. And it was just getting to me. Uh, and of course, it's curated version of our lives. And I didn't want to curate my life and put it out there because I was struggling myself. So I decided to just get rid of the social media altogether. I'm tired of seeing quotes and uh, myself contributing to this mayhem and posting pictures of me baking once a month, but making others feel miserable because they're not serving pancakes for breakfast every Sunday. And I felt like a fraud. I felt like this is not serving me. And even though there was a lot of positivity and uplifting quotes, I'm like, I had enough of those quotes for a lifetime. That's it. Goodbye, Instagram. And honestly, I haven't missed a single bit some people who follow me have contacted me. Have they noticed that I disappeared? They're like, Anna, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, but, but that's the truth. Like, I didn't make a big deal of posting on Instagram or social media. I'm disappearing. Like, who cares, Anna? Just take a break. The so, irony of this, Anna, is that I'm going to probably pull a quote from you for this episode <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. And so, um, and I am questioning truly whether I really want to be on Instagram or on social media, honestly. And I may experiment like a year without social media and I, my life hasn't changed in a big or way. It's been almost two months. It's been two months. I haven't used Instagram and I'm not missing out. I don't want to see uh, anything. And I am sure when I go back, it's all going to be the same the way I left it. And that's the thing with social media. It's like time frozen. 
machine of positivity and divorce is happy and ever empowerment and this. Well, and that's that. that's your social media. Other people's social media are pulling them slowly, ever so slowly to like cue in on a conspiracy and stuff. And, and see, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everybody has their own channel to the world, and I got tired of mine. And so. Yeah, I don't watch the news. Uh, and, and also there was war in my country, you know, Armenia at this time, this whole like September, October, there was real work going on. You know, I was getting news and, and, and because every time I log into Facebook, I see war news. And I'm like, I can't take this anymore. Like, and, and so it was becoming too much. I think knowing your limits and saying no to have permission to delete the apps that are not serving, that's sucking your time. And it's okay to distract yourself with the Queen's Gambit or other great show, <laughs> excellent show. And it's okay to distract yourself, but you be in charge of that. I think that's what I want to say. Have a mm. choice, have a say instead of just mindlessly scl- scrolling through something like Instagram and wasting your hours. Just distract yourself with the social, you know, with the Netflix show and discuss it with a friend or something like that. I think it's more useful and more helpful way than just mindlessly when something takes over your life. I think I want to give people permission. It's all right. This is not our life, you know. Uh, Yeah. Get rid of what doesn't serve and get back to it again when you want to, you know, clear Mm -hmm. space um, in, in your life. And yeah, it's okay. Easy. It's okay yeah. to distract yourself from this sometimes. It's okay to check out sometimes, you know, and um, it, it, we, I give you permission, <laughs> you know, like you don't need my permission, but I give you permission. Like we all need that to just say like, you know, we can, we can, we can take a break. We could take a break from news for a week. We can take a break from social media news for a week and just see how that feels. And that can be really refreshing to then just really focus on, on, on positive things. Listen to a, listen to a funny podcast. (laughs) Um, All right. So we have talked about sleep and exercise and not shitting on ourselves and interrupting catastrophic thoughts and meditating and, and really focusing on the good things, right? Staying day by day, right? Really focusing on that day by day. And we're going to be practicing these too. We're not going to get it all perfect. We're going to have days where we don't, we don't get it perfect. Lots of them. (laughs) And that's okay. Um, It's okay for us to be there. Um, So I'm going to end with this. We're going to end with this meditation into um, envisioning our ideal future, envisioning uh, bringing that piece of hope back in. And I and I want to say that you know I am a big advocate for being in the present moment, right, day by day, etc. But I also am a big. I also know that you cannot go know where you're going unless you know where you're going, right? Like, I think it's really important to envision what do we really want and what is really most meaningful to us in the future so that when we have choice points, we can make choices towards that future. And I, sometimes I explain like my, my husband, he works from home four days a week. And so we knew, I knew that we knew that that's what we wanted was more time. And so when we had a choice point, we said, 
okay, we have this point at this in our lives now, let's make it so you, you're not working on Fridays, right? And, and that, that was part of that was that we have this, we have, you know, we have incredible resources and privilege and all those things. But part of that was also that we had to knew ahead of time, what, what, are these ideals and things that we do want, right? And so part of this, I'm, I'm prefacing this to just invite you to think about what, what, what is really important to you? What is meaningful for you? What do you want? And so and to, to give yourself permission to dream a little bit about what you do want helps us to actually get there in some of those ways. Mm -hmm. Anna. <laughs> thank you. I, I'll come back on and I'll thank you at the end. I'm gonna, Anna's going to do our ideal future meditation with us. <laughs> okay, so dear listener, dear Anna, I invite you to just sit back for a moment if you're able to, or maybe, you know, if you're not able to pause this podcast and come back to this section when you're able to do it and um, take a moment in a quiet space and put your feet on the ground or just lie down completely. Make yourself comfortable and let's start with a deep, deep breath in and a long, slow exhale. Then a deep breath in, fill up your belly and a long, slow exhale. And then just let your body breathe you, nothing to control. Allow the muscles around your forehead to soften, eyes to just rest. Let your jaw go slack. Feel your breath come in and out. Imagine the, the muscles of your neck and shoulder just softening a little bit, or if there's some tightness, just let that tightness float in awareness. Feel it sensing into your chest, sensing any sensations there. Letting the upper arms soften, letting the forearms soften. Letting the hands, tops of the hands and wrists and the insides of the hands just soften, noticing sensations you feel there. Let the belly be soft and expand with your inhales. And just relax your whole body with your exhales. Feel your pelvis and legs, ankles and feet tingling with relaxation, just letting your whole body feel heavy now, just letting the earth support you. Nothing you have to do, nowhere to go, just letting yourself rest. No certain way you have to feel. And now I want you to imagine that we're going on a journey. We're going on a journey to two or three years in the future. It's not that far away, but we're traveling forward 
And we're going to wake up two or three years in the future. Let's say three years, I suppose. We're waking up three years in the future. And there's no global pandemic. And you're no longer struggling the way you're struggling now. You notice that you are feeling content, you're happy, you're smiling. You have made positive strides forward with your relationships. You may notice who you're with or even who's not there. You notice that your children are, are loving and they are content and happy. You notice that your relationship with yourself is very positive and grounded and wholesome. Noticing that Noticing what it feels like to wake up in this place. What does your day look like? What are the priorities you make for yourself? What activities do you engage in? Even noticing that the way you contribute to the world and the work that you do is you've made incredible strides forward with that. And you're in a place you wanna be with that. What does that look like? How many hours and what type of work or contribution are you making? Where, where are you doing this? Who is there? Who is not there? Notice that there's ease and space. Notice what happens as your day starts to move into afternoon and evening. How do you take your evening meal? How do you engage or not engage with media? How do you wrap up your day?
And as you envision yourself wrapping up this day three years from now where you're no longer struggling, what does that look like? As you reflect on this, the choices you've made, what were those priorities? What were those values that you're now living, that have now, are now bearing fruit in your life? And then I invite you to put a hand to your heart to maybe bow your head a little and, and just seal this vision into your heart. Imagine yourself kind of coming back just slowly into this body, maybe wiggling your toes a little, deepening your breath. And just sending yourself wishes for this peace and this joy. And as you're ready, just taking a deep breath in. Big exhale to release one more. And gently coming back to the present. <laughs> and I'm still looking at my dear friend, Anna. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> This was very good, actually. I felt like the cloud of fear, stress, anxiety, this, this was lifted. And I felt like in a different universe, like in a movie, doing my ordinary things. But that cloud of stress, fear, anxiety was no longer there. This invisible, uh, transparent thing that was blocking everything was lifted. And it felt so warm and I, at ease. That's what I felt like. Yay. Mm -hmm. You know, we need this, right? We need to remember that, po that possibility. And I think that's what I wanted to offer. I'm, I'm glad that I could give that to help you envision that yourself, Anna. Anna Seewald is the amazing wonderful podcaster of, of the authentic parenting podcast Anna where can people find you apparently not on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> you can't connect with me on Instagram but you will get no inspiration or no curated life <laughs> that everything is perfect um, people can visit my website authenticparenting.com I still work with parents I still you know my practice has been so busy that's another thing I still do the podcast, Authentic Parenting, wherever you get your podcasts. And many of your listeners already are my listeners. So a warm big hug to those listeners who are both of our listeners. They are very dear and special to both of us. And thank you for having me. This has been such a big pleasure and joy in the midst of this pandemic. When you contacted me, I'm like, yes. Me and Hunter, I know it's going to be so, you know, nourishing. And, and, and it was. Thank you so much. I hope this conversation helped you. You know, we really do need to slow down and prioritize our mental and emotional health right now. Uh, 
we have to lower our expectations for ourselves and get ourselves a lot of slack. So I hope that you're doing that. I am practicing to do that too. We can practice together to do that. Um, so definitely ask yourself that question. What is all right right now? I love that. And, um, and I hope that that guided visualization helped give you some, some positivity. I'd love to see where you're listening to this podcast. Do you know how to take a screenshot on your phone? I you press like two buttons at once on my phone anyway. And it would be great if you could send that to me. Put it in, tag me on Instagram at Mindful Mama Mentor. Tell me what your takeaways are. What are you going to take from this episode? That's a great way to support the episode and, you know, share it with other people who may be needing some help you know, we all need that support. So I hope if this has helped you, you can share it and help others. Remember that if you are interested in the Mindful Parenting Teacher Certification Program, you would like to teach, you're passionate about parenting and mindfulness, you would like to learn this inside and out and teach it in, in your community, you can go to mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. It's a really small group. We walk through this. So it's really a powerful process. So mindfulparentingcourse.com teach. We can schedule a call to chat with me about it. And I'm wishing you peace. I'm wishing you hope. Wishing you some time to slow down and, and to have some cozy snuggles with your kids and whoever you want to snuggle with. Uh, I think that's so healing, right? Let's let's get some extra hugs today <laughs> from the people we can touch and hug, right? Let's do that. Okay. I I hope that you've enjoyed this. Of course, please, yeah, tag, let me know, send me those screenshots, share it with friends, and I will be back in your podcast feed next Tuesday. So I hope to see you then. Wishing you peace. Thanks so much for listening. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for life? I've gone from being stressed and yelling to become more grounded, more at ease, and have more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. I'm going to show you how to do it too. If you currently feel stuck or stagnant, this is for you. I've created a free, downloadable audio training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. It will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids. To get this absolutely free, simply visit the website mindfulmomguide.com. That's mindfulmomguide.com. Get started with mindfulness, the superpower moms need. I'll see you there. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, 
out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.